Matthew chapter 6. And actually, I just found the first typo in tonight's lesson. This is lesson 34, not lesson 33. And uh, we're going to read the same two verses we read last week and try to get through the second verse. Tonight, Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. Now last week we spent our time on the first verse there, the light of the body is the eye. And not everything we see is just what we see with our eyes. Our seeing, our perception of what goes on around us is more than just the imaging of light uh, transmitted data can, that is um, uh, developed by our brain so we can see the picture. I mean, this is just simply illustrated so often, I think she likes me. Well, the reason why you think that is because you're looking that direction and you're reading into her what you are thinking in your heart. You get over there and you say hi, and she says bye. Uh, I mean, you were not seeing clearly. Uh, now, I know that's never, ever happened to anyone in this room. Uh, but the simple truth of the matter is we see many things that we think we see. Uh, I should have thought ahead and got a copy of it. How many of you have ever seen that little cryptogram where they take out and misspell all of the consonants in the words? And uh, the only thing that's left is the first and last letter or so of the word, and you can read it without making one mistake. In fact, if you don't think about it, you don't even realize that all the letters are missing until you get to the end, and it tells you that all these letters are missing because your mind is putting the letters in there. And, and there are so many things that your mind does, and we could talk about sight and all the wonderful things, but if you have healthy eyesight, you can see or should be able to see clearly. There are some people that have optic nerves. Every part of the sight system is in perfect order, but they are blind completely because something in their mind refuses to process the information that is coming into it. They can't explain it. Everything is intact. In fact, sometimes, and this has been somewhat documented, uh, uh, when Benny Hinn claims that he's made the blind see, uh, he has happened upon a person that has perfectly operating eyesight, but there's just some little trigger in that mind. And uh, with all the hocus pocus and slapping people in the head and all the things that he does, he manages to trip the trigger, and then he claims that it's a bona fide miracle. And it is a good thing that that person uh, had whatever trigger trip that they could see again. Uh, but that's not what Jesus did, my friend. When Jesus met the man who was born blind, what did he do? He made him a new set of eyes. You ever wonder why he spit in the dirt? Because man was made out of the dust of the earth. Jesus had a little experience with this, amen? He knew what he was doing. He knew where he could get the necessary items. He knew what to do to make those eyes, and he put them in. He said, now go wash in the pool Siloam, and the man came seeing, amen? Jesus made him a brand new set of eyes. Only Jesus can do that. There's a difference here. And when you are saved, when you see things God's way, your body is full of light. Amen? Do we have anyone that likes to be in the dark? 
just likes to sit in the dark. You do not. You are the biggest scaredy cat in the world. Little Esther stand there raising her hand. I like it in the dark. Uh, she, and no, you just be quiet. She likes it in the dark with her nightlight on. Uh, that's the way most of us are, amen? There's a problem with people that like darkness. In fact, what is that? Um, I'm not up on all this stuff. I am not a hip preacher. Uh, never hope to be, but uh, I think it's called the goths. Uh, these are people who only come out at night and they dress in black and they uh, try to pretend that things about Dracula are real and they have bars where you can sleep in coffins. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know that getting drunk in a coffin is any worse than getting drunk in a bar, uh, in a whatever they call it, booth in the bar or, or at the bar stool. Getting drunk's a bad thing, amen? And, and if you keep doing it long enough, you're going to end up in a coffin anyway. So. Uh, the, the simple thing is we have people that pretend they like darkness. Now, the Bible has some things to say about that, but Jesus, again, is trying to teach us the standards. God's standard of righteousness for being a participant in the kingdom of God. This is what Sermon on the Mount's all about. And he said, listen... Even though we've gone through all of these things, I am bringing up, Jesus brings this up clear. Over halfway through the sermon, Jesus interjects this point, And he's going to come back to it again at the very end of the sermon because I'll tell you the greatest problem with Christianity today, with people who use the name Christian, it is not... What is going on in the world? We talked a little bit about this last week. The biggest problem you face is not what Obama is going to do. It's not what Patterson is going to do. It's not what Bloomberg is going to do. It's not the fact that eventually we as a people will lose our freedoms. Uh, every, uh, every government ever devised by man has ended in anarchy and totalitarianism. Why, we're not going to be any different. Uh, don't get excited. Because my hope is not in the White House. My hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Constitution of the United States is not an inspired document. Though the greatest ideas in it came from the inspired document. And as a nation turns its back on truth, they cannot help. And this is the verse today. It said, if the light that is in thee be darkness. How great is that darkness. Now, Jesus is giving us a contrast here. He said, if, if your eye is single, and we talked about pureness of heart, that's how your eye is single. It's only looking at one thing at a time. How many of you have ever pretended that you were cross-eyed and crossed your eyes until you saw two of everything. There are some people that can't uncross their eyes. They can't see one set of things. In fact, they have to do operations. If you've ever heard of lazy eye, that's where one eye will turn in. And you will see two of everything. And that's not good. You, you want your eyesight to be single. Amen? Now, he says, in contrast to that, if thine eye be evil. Now, how many of you have ever heard? She's got an evil eye. I mean, that's been around. And people get it right from here. And they try to conjure up this idea that someone who has an evil eye can look at you and cast a spell on you. I wish I had a $5 bill for every person that called the church and said, I think somebody's cast a spell on me. Uh, uh, we'd be a whole lot better off, and so would they without it, I'll tell you. Uh, the $5 bill, that is. Uh, I mean, people just get themselves in trouble, all kinds of things. There's no such thing as someone that has an evil eye and can look at you with their evil eye and make you evil. Uh, that's not possible. I said, do you, do you want me to give you the best way to protect yourself? Oh, yes. Pastor, tell me what it is. 
Show up at church. Oh, come on. I want something that's really going to help me. I'll tell you who has the evil eye. It's the person that thinks someone else does. It's the person running around looking at everybody else thinking they're casting spells on them and they're doing awful things toward them. We call that paranoia. That's not a good thing to be paranoid. And I'll tell you what will stop you from thinking about what other people are going to do to you. Get your eyes settled on the Lord Jesus Christ because he can take care of somebody. I've heard preaching ever since I was a little boy. It was... Uh, it's changed. The groups have changed over the years. When I was a little boy, it was the Cold War. The Russians are going to come and they're going to get us. Hey, we've got some Russians that are wonderful members of our church. Amen. Uh, they're not coming to get us. Let me tell you. And then it was the come. Then after that, it was uh, you know the the liberals in Congress, and that's kind of where we are right now, and, and now it's going to be Obama and his brown shirts and all of that, and now it's going to be this, and now it's going to be that. Let me tell you, nobody's coming to get you unless the Lord God allows it to happen. And let's not find ourselves fighting against God. Let's find ourselves serving Him. Amen? He is in control. You see, that's how a single eye gives you light and peace. And I've been told, oh, you just want to feed the bear meat until it eats you. Well, you can look at it any way you want. I want an opportunity to serve Christ as long as he gives me one. Amen? Am I in the right church? How many of you want to keep serving Jesus until he comes? Amen? And if it's going to be the government that's going to come, quote, unquote, get you, I'll tell you the best thing you can do. Just keep serving Jesus. Remember, my brother was in South Chicago. He ran a bus route, pretty nasty neighborhood, and he would often get cat calls from windows saying, hey, what are you doing in this neighborhood? I'm going to come get you. And and that was my little brother that preached here the other time. He used to bench press 450 pounds. He said, do you come out here and get me? He says, I dare you. And I said, Jim, why did you do that? He said, well, it's very easy. He said, they either know that I know something or that I'm crazy. And neither way. Do they want to mess with me? You know, sometimes that's how we get protection from the Lord. How many of you remember the mythical figure of Johnny Appleseed? Johnny Appleseed, in, in truth, was a Baptist preacher. He wasn't right about everything, but no Baptist is. No preacher is. But you know what gave him protection? The Indians thought he was mad. And they never touched crazy people. It was just part of their, they thought they could catch it somehow. And he wore his mush pot on his head and he acted weird. And there were literally only heaven knows how many lives were saved by Johnny Appleseed tripping through the woods just ahead of the war parties to warn the settlements. This was the real Johnny Appleseed, not the little kook that they make songs about because they want to make fun of that. And he did take apple seeds. There are apple orchards all over Midwest today as far as Illinois that he planted the, the, the beginning seeds for. But I'll tell you what, his first desire was to take the gospel to people. And the Indians thought he was crazy. And they never, ever bothered him. It's okay if the world thinks you're crazy, if you're serving Jesus. Because I am seeing straight and I understand what's going on. And we don't have to be afraid of what the world is going to do to us. But if thine eye be evil, 
Here's the warning. Why do you think Jesus put this contrast right in the middle of the sermon? I want to finish the sentence that I started a while back. The greatest problem in Christianity today is not all these other things. It's self-deception. It is the deceiving of oneself is the greatest problem. That's why Jesus puts this in the middle of his sermon. There are more people going to go to hell from church pews than any other place that I know of. And as we read this, Jesus is saying, Listen, if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. Now, one of these days, I'm just warning you ahead of time, I've tossing this idea over and back and forth in my mind and heart for years on a sermon. Dr. Jekyll comes to church. How many know where I'm going with that one already? You got ideas, don't you? Well, you think and pray about it. Maybe it'll come out someday in a full-fledged sermon because I don't want to just preach ideas, but Dr. Jekyll was a well-respected man who wanted to experience the depths of depravity. And he found a way to do it. And there are many Christians. There are many people who go to church, many righteous people who show up every Sunday. You would never, ever have an idea of what is going on in their souls. And I, may, I, I have heard some of the most horrid stories there was the story here, it was in a Baptist church in, in, I believe it was Texas, just a little while ago of a Sunday school teacher molesting and murdering a little girl who was in her Sunday school class. It was just a horrible thing. What had to be going on in the mind and heart? And she was actually the daughter of the pastor, if I'm not mistaken, grew up in a Christian home was taught the Bible all her life and somehow had harbored in her soul these dark, evil thoughts all her life. And finally, when she was, I guess she, was, she is in her mid-30s or something like that and acted this out and actually murdered one of the little children that came to church. I'll tell you, we live in a day where people are full of darkness. If thine eye be evil, listen, you can't have it both ways. You cannot live for God a certain portion of your life and live for the devil another portion of your life. You cannot fulfill the desires of God with the certain days of the week and then fulfill the desires of your flesh on other days of the week. And that's why the next verse says you got to choose between the two masters. But as we look at these verses, there the Bible is full of contrasting pictures of this. Let's just go to James chapter 3 for a minute and there's a whole list of them right here in this one chapter. The overwhelming theme of James chapter 3 is the taming of the tongue. It says no man can tame the tongue. It says we need to have the wisdom that comes from God. And it contrasts that at the end of the chapter. But verse 8 says, But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father... And therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Now here's the first example. Does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? You go to the water fountain. You turn the handle. Half the water comes up clean and pure and the other half comes up rust red and full of sediment and dirt and all kinds. How many are going to drink the clean half of the water? In fact, that can't happen. It's all going to be dirty when it comes out that little nozzle. Uh, you can't have a spring of water and dip your cup into it and half the water be sour and half the water be good. Uh, it's not possible. Water 
doesn't do that. It will not separate on its own. And here's the example. You can't have both. This is what Jesus is saying. Listen, you can't have a single eye and be full of light sometime and an evil eye and be full of darkness other times. You've got to understand there is a choice. As we go on through here, he said, verse 12, uh, Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him, what's that next word? Shoe, that's the old English version of show, out of a good conversation, his works with meekness of wisdom. He said, let him show out of a good conversation. Now, we take that word conversation today and we say, listen, uh, I called uh, uh, my daughter on the phone, or Peter, I took him to the airport Tuesday and sent him back to Oklahoma City, and he called, and we had a conversation and made sure he got in safe and all that, and he did. But that's not the biblical word conversation. The old English word conversation means your general lifestyle. It wasn't just what you said, it's what everybody knew you to be. Now, they tell us that we as men have a real problem when we stand in front of a mirror. That we see things that no one else sees. We say those pants still fit. They're about three sizes too small. But you see, they used to fit, and so they look like they still fit. That's why God gives us wives, to say, get something else. That's ridiculous. Uh, this is, and, and by the way, ladies do this too, but we're not going to discuss that tonight. Amen. Uh, that's what we all do when it comes to the mirror, is it not? Do we not see what we want to see? I mean, how many of you have ever seen the old Andy Griffith shows? And there's Barney Fife. Oh, you handsome little pipsqueak. Uh, you know, he's just illustrating everybody laughs because that's what we all do, maybe not as out loud as Mr. Fife did, but we like to see good things when we look in the mirror, don't we? And... As we look into God's Word, in fact, James chapter 2 tells us that very thing. It says, listen, if you're a wise man, if you've got God's wisdom, show out of the way you live. That's what it means. If thy eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Amen. And then it goes on to describe here. It says, but if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. How many of you have ever had a day where you just felt like a grump? I mean, everything was bad, everything was awful. I've often reminded my children, when the whole world is against you, maybe it's not the whole world that's wrong. Amen? That's what the writer here is saying, is it not? If you've got bitter envy and strife, if everything is a fight, if it's just ridiculous and everybody is frustrating and stupid and I mean the whole world is wrong. Hey, lie not against the truth. That kind of spirit is not from God. Don't attribute it to your self-righteous ability to see the sin in everybody's life because there's an awful lot in your own if you can go through a day like that. If you can live like that, the Bible says you're not saved. You can't live like that with the Holy Spirit of God living inside. Now, you can have a day. You can have an hour. You can have some time that's like that. Again, the sermon Peter preached last night, if you're not fighting against it, it's because you're being a part of it. 
If you're not running away, hey, listen, don't stand there and try to see how close you can get. I thought that was a great sermon Sunday night. I wish I had preached that well when I started pastoring this church. And somebody says, I wish you preached that well now. I don't know, but we'll see what happens. As we move forward through here, it says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Does that sound like blessed are the peacemakers to you? It certainly does to me. You see, all of these things are related. James' message was nothing but Jesus' message again. And what we're trying to do here, if your eye be evil, hey, the book writer of James has given us ample illustration. Lie not against the truth. Recognize that there is a problem and take it to the Lord and get it settled. Hebrews chapter 6 gives us, the references there, gives us the picture of the good ground. It drinketh in the rain and bringeth forth herbs. Things grow there. But there are plots of ground that do not and will not grow anything. I think of the land of Israel, what they call the Negev today, the southern desert part of the land of Israel. Do you know what they had to do to grow things? They literally had to wash the salt out of the soil. We're not talking a hundred acres here. We're not talking a hundred thousand acres. We're talking mile after mile after mile where they had to sift through this dirt by hand and water and wash the salt and the things out of the soil. And now it's one of the most agriculturally productive areas in the entire world. Uh, that was prophesied in the book of Ezekiel, the desert shall bloom like a rose, and it is over there today. Why? Because they got the bad stuff out of the soil. That's Hebrews chapter 6. 1 John chapter 3, a difficult chapter, a chapter that people argue with. They say, Pastor, how in the world? It says, He that sinneth is not born of God, and he that doeth righteousness. And, and they go through that passage and they struggle. And, and the simple thing is, if you can sin and live in sin, you're not saved. If you fight against sin and struggle and try to serve God with your life, then it is God that is keeping the struggle going on and bringing you through that time. Amen? Now, there is, this is the difference between the evil eye and the single eye. If you have a single eye, you ought to only want to see one thing. That is God to be glorified in your life. Amen? That's what we want to see. It says, but if thine eye be evil and... Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 2. We're already in the book of James. Just flip over a couple of pages here. Okay. Verse 17 said, These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity... They allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escape from them who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them, than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Now verse 22 is the key to understanding this passage. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Do you get what this verse is saying? It's not talking about people who have 
known Jesus Christ to the point of salvation. It's talking about people who have known Jesus Christ to the point of reformation. Uh, there are a lot of people that learn things out of the Bible and God changes things in their lives, but they never got saved. They just got cleaned up. Now you can take a pig out of the pig pen and give it a buttermilk bath. You say, why buttermilk? Well, all of the culture and the yeast, uh, the things that are in there eat up the stink. And they make the pig smell better. And then you put perfume and powder and you can put lipstick on a pig. And uh, uh, contrary to what they said, you can do that if you can get the pig to sit still long enough. Uh, but it's still a pig, isn't it? And if you let that pig go, where is that pig going to go? Right back to the slop hole. But you know, there are people that have pigs as pets. How many of you know this? And uh, in, in fact, being in the culinary trade, they have pigs that look for truffles. Uh, only the, the, because pigs have noses that are ten times more sensitive than dogs. And they take them out in the caves and digging through the moist earth and trying to find these little fungi that they sell for thousands of dollars a pound and all of this stuff. You know what? They don't pull that pig out of the mud hole and take it hunting for truffles. That pig gets cleaned up first uh, so he can smell only the things he's supposed to smell. And people have them in their homes. They don't have a slop pen in the, in the living room so the pig can feel at home or fill the bathtub full of mud. Pigs can get along without mud for quite a period of time. But given an opportunity... Now, I'm not going to go into the other one there with the dog, but dogs are disgusting animals. Uh, if you have one inside, God bless you. Um, I, I believe dogs ought to be outside. Somebody says, why don't you get a dog for the kids? I've got too many kids to have a dog. Uh, and the other thing is we live in the church building, and uh, I don't want anybody walking in the church building and smelling dog. That's not what church is about. Amen? But dogs are wonderful animals. They're very helpful. They do all kinds of wonderful things. But if you leave dogs do what dogs do, dogs are pretty disgusting animals. They really are. You can reform them, and I know little Fifi will come and jump up on your lap and, and just look like a little white fluff ball and all that kind of stuff. But Fifi will do some pretty disgusting things if you're not there to stop. With a name like Fifi, it better be a her. But anyway... Uh, We'll move on. The Bible uses these examples. And it says there are people who will gain a knowledge, a working knowledge of Christianity, and yet their eye will remain evil. And everything that they see and do will be tainted by those things. There was no regeneration. Judges 17, 6, I want to remind you, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. In Proverbs 14, 2 and 16, 25, they're basically identical verses. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. I don't know if I quoted that exactly right, but it's close. No one sets out to destroy their lives. No one grows up and says, when I grow up, I'm going to be, I'm going to make Adolf Hitler look like a lightweight. I want to be the most evil person that ever lived. Now, you might find somebody like Marilyn Manson or some rock star that says those things, but they only do because there's kids out there stupid enough to listen to them and believe them. Uh, they're really not that way. 
In fact, uh, I think it's Howard Stern will not let his own children listen to his own radio show uh, because he cares enough about his own kids and he has enough sense to know that that kind of talk and that kind of stuff destroys minds and hearts And even he has enough sense to know that what he does for a living ought not be imbibed by people who are going to live a quote-unquote or have a chance of living a good life. Now, if somebody that stupid can be smart enough to realize that, then why do people want to listen to that kind of slop? Better, Better check your eyesight. How many of you remember the story of the Good Samaritan? The verse before Jesus told the story. But the man, the scribe, willing to what? Justify himself. He asked Jesus, who's my neighbor? And Jesus told him, the person that needs your help is your neighbor. Amen? But just remember, they didn't help The good Samaritan didn't help the guy be a better victim of the robbers. He actually helped the man. We've been over that in the last part of the chapter. He met his need. We don't want to help the world be better sinners or be more comfortable in their sin. If we're going to help somebody, we're going to help them to Jesus Christ. Amen? I mean, the eye is full of light and we come here... And you go to Titus, and and as Paul is telling Titus to straighten out things, to set in order things in the churches, he gives them a whole list of things that are going on in these churches that are just absolutely wrong. Now, this was going on in the church. There were people in the church, according to the teaching of Jesus here, that had an evil eye. Now, I want to, we're running out of time, and so I'm going to skip over some of this, but look at these last three verses here. Uh, well, let's just pick up the first part of verse 11, whose mouths must be stopped. You've got to stop some of this foolishness that's going on in the name of Jesus Christ. And if you want to know why I speak against Christian rock music and worldly worship and, and the purpose-driven life so often, it's because... This is the very element in our society today that are destroying truth in, in the church. And uh, in the, because people in the church are listening to these people outside the church. If I were to ask how many people in this room have read The Purpose Driven Life, and I'm not going to, I don't want to know if you've read that stupid book. Uh, I pray that you haven't. And if you have, I pray that you'll wash out the the garbage that's in that book with the truth of God's Word. It is such, so close to the truth that most people cannot discern the lies that it's built upon. That's why I warn you about these things. Because, look what it says here. Verse 15, Unto the pure, all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but their works, in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. Now, don't get yourself into this. There's a preacher that preached a while back, and he knows better. He's in heaven now. He said, if you don't win five souls every week, you're just not right with God. Well, if you win them, are they saved? No, Jesus has to win them. Amen? And I wish we could see five souls saved every week in this church. I pray for that day. But let's just be honest. There's a lot of people that are saved that are just struggling, holding on with their fingernails here. Let's... Lift up the hands that are weak. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12. Let's pray for one another. Let's make it easy to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not you that wins souls. It's God that changes hearts. And what we want to do is if we're not living right, how can we expect unsaved people to want to live right? That's what these verses are talking about. 
But have you ever met somebody with an ulterior motive to everything they do? Oh, I know that preacher. He gets up there, and I've had people say this. I've, in fact, I had one guy tell me, he said, Oh, you'll never see the truth because you'd have to give up your family and be celibate if you saw the truth. I said, you are so full of the lies of the world and traditions of men that you can't... I mean, it says right there, husband of one wife. Amen? I mean, you, how... But to the defiled, everything. There's nothing that's pure. There is nothing that has a right motive. There's nothing that is clean Everyone is looking for the dirty little trick, the hook, the thing that's in there. I'll, I'll tell you, I tried to give up on all that years and years and years ago. I don't want anything that can be deemed a program at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. I read a book and it said, if you want somebody to stay in your church, you need to have 26 contacts with that person in the first 30 days after they visit your church. Now, I'd be in jail for being a stalker in New York City if I tried to do what was written in this book of reaching people for Jesus. Brother Clayton put it a lot simpler. He says, what you do to get people to stay, to, to come to your church, is what you're going to have to keep doing to get them to stay. I said, you know, there's only one thing I ever want people to come to church for, the preaching and teaching of this book called the Bible. That's why we want people to be here. Because they know they're going to get Bible. Uh, that's the only thing I can find in the Bible to do. Amen? And so that's what we're going to do here. And there are people that have come in here and accused me of wrongdoing and wicked devices because all I do is teach the Bible. You know what I know? I just met somebody who has an evil eye. I don't want them to stick around. I'm sorry. I want to protect the people that are here from the evil eye people because everything is perverted. And if you stick around a person with an evil eye, you're going to be influenced in a wrong direction. Amen? Now, just one quick point and we'll be done. And I could literally spend the whole night on this one point, And I don't want to. Now, if somebody comes up after church says, Pastor, that's not enough. Please fill us in. I'll change my mind. But if the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? This was the last phrase. You see, there is no one that does not think they see. Have you ever met a blind person? Most of them. Hey, leave me alone. I'm okay. I can see. I got my stick right here. There's been several times when I've been standing there, uh, just happened to look over, saw someone with a white cane. I said, uh, do you want an arm across the intersection? Sometimes they'll take it. Sometimes they won't. But you know what? The, the blind people, and this is a good thing, they really are confident. Hey, I know where I'm going. I know how to get on my train. I can tell the difference between the E train and the F train and the, and the G train and the R train, and I know how many stops, and, and that, that's why all the signals are audibly spoken with the computer and everything, so you're not hearing it in uh, 14 different dialects of accent there. You can actually understand because there are people that cannot see and read. And they want them to be able to travel on their own. But I just use this as an illustration that everybody thinks they can see something. It says, if the light that is in thee be darkness. You see, there's no one out there that really thinks they're in darkness. If we turned out all the lights and we blocked off all the windows, and we made this auditorium perfectly dark. It wouldn't take very long for some of us to go, oh, I know where I'm going. I remember where the pews are. 
I, I don't actually have to see things to walk out. I can see. I mean, there would be people, I mean, they do it uh, in, in every situation. We think that we can see and there is nothing more difficult to deal with than someone who thinks they know the truth of the gospel when they don't. I met a Greek guy. Oh, I don't think I was in Astoria just a couple of weeks. And he says, oh, he says, you're a young preacher. You know, this is 17 years ago. I was a young preacher back then. And he says, what, do you think I'm stupid? He says, I, I, I grew up, I know all the Bible. The end is coming, isn't it? I said, oh, yes, it is. He says, but you're not ready for it. He says, oh, I know. And, he, and he's told me this uh, every time I see him. The end is coming close. I said, man, it's been coming close long before you were born. Uh, and try to get him to understand. But I'll tell you what, if I took the gospel and put it into the head of a hammer and just, I mean, boom, he wouldn't get it. Couldn't get it. You know why? Because the light that is in him is darkness, but he still thinks he sees. Don't waste your time. Only God can open blind eyes. Amen? Now, I wish we had time to go to John chapter 9, where Jesus opened the blind man's eyes and, and said there, uh, he said, if you thought your sin was gone. If you think you have no sin, you're still blind. But if you would admit that you have sin, then you could see to bring your sin to me. And the Pharisees that were around him that believed on him said, are we blind also? And Jesus said, if you said you were blind, I would forgive your sin, but because you think you see, your sin remains. John chapter 9. That's how great that darkness is. It completely fills and floods the soul. One verse, we're done. 2 Peter chapter 2. Sorry, 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, But ye are a chosen generation, Verse 9, 2 Peter chapter 2, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's how you get a single eye. Amen? If you don't have one, the only solution is to get saved. If you allow yourself to be deluded, you will accept darkness for light. Now, we skipped over a lot of references that were in here today. Read, read Isaiah chapter 5. As God pronounces woe unto them that call good evil and evil good. Just pick up newspaper, listen to a news report, and you're going to hear somebody call evil good and good evil. Happens every day. It just seems they find a new list of things to change and say this is the wrong way of doing things. We're going to do things the right way. Uh, you know, truth doesn't change because people want it to. What is truth doesn't change because somebody doesn't like it or is offended by it. In fact, most people can't tell the difference between truth and error because they do not have the ability or the foundation to tell you, it, well, I've got to follow my heart. Hey, listen, let me tell you something. Follow your heart, you're going to end up straight in hell because that's where your evil, deceitful, above all things and desperately wicked heart is going to take you. It's not going to take you to Jesus. You don't follow your heart. You've got to follow God's word, and it will straighten out your heart. It just doesn't feel right to, to be so dogmatic and tell so many people that they're wrong. 
Even the little baby disagrees with that. Listen, it doesn't have to feel right, but if God says it's wrong, it doesn't matter if the whole world says it's right. It's still wrong. That's why you have to have a single eye. One, can I give you one quick story? Old-time preacher, I think I've told it before, Harold Seitler was very ill. And a preacher friend of his came to the hospital. And Dr. Seitler looked over at him and he says, You know, preacher, he said, I've always heard all my life that when it comes time to die, God's going to give you his peace and his comfort. And there won't be any fear in your heart. And the preacher looked at him and said, yeah, Brother Seitler, yeah. He said, but I'm afraid. And the preacher stood aghast and said, what are you saying, Brother Seitler? He says, oh, you got me all wrong. He said, if God hasn't given me peace to die, I'm going to get better. I'm not going to die. And he got better. You see, old Brother Seitler was seeing things right with the Scripture. Because his heart had fear, which was contradictory toward the Scripture. He said, I'm still afraid to die. He said, I'm not ready. Well, then I'm not going to die. So I'm going to stop worrying about it. And he stopped worrying about it. And a week or two later, he was back out preaching. It was, I think he was 82 or 3 when he finally passed from this life into the next. And he did so in exactly the biblical manner when it came time. God just wasn't ready yet. So often we look at, get ourselves into a situation, we look and we say, this isn't right, it's not according to God's word, when we should look the other direction and say, what am I doing wrong here? I'm thinking I'm going to die, I'm not going to, because I'm not ready. God will always make us ready. If we'll just get our eyes single, we'll stop wasting so much time and effort fighting things. God doesn't want us to fight. Amen? If thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness and love. Lord, we just ask that during this short time of invitation, you would let each one of us examine our lives. Lord, that we would not let self-deception be a part of our quote-unquote Christianity. Lord, that you would help us to see through ourselves and through the, the, pattern, the veils that we cast over things to hide the truth. Lord, that we would be honest before you and ourselves and love you. That you would give us that single eye and a light-filled body. Lord, we pray that you would give us patience to continually reach out to those who are battling with themselves and with the world and with their sin, that they would see and hear and understand your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. And we'll just have a verse of invitation.